Hi folks, a shout out this week to Sharon Pask, who did a review of the Take On Board podcast. Thanks, Sharon. She says, gender pay gap episode, very informative session with Emma Ray. Thank you. Well, thank you, Sharon, for taking the time to do a review. We love to get reviews here. And thanks to Emma for doing that episode. Second announcement for this week. This week we're hearing from Kari Hatch. And listen right through to the end of the episode where she shares resources because not only does she share some resources in the episode itself, but sent me a voice memo afterwards with some additional ones. So there's some gold in there. Radio, on with the show. Hi folks, it's Helia. Two opportunities to share with you this week to come along to take on board events. Firstly, if you're in Queensland or more specifically on the Sunshine Coast, there's a take on board meetup happening on Thursday the 13th of May. Come join us for a casual chat. Details in the show notes or just get in touch. Secondly, if you're not lucky enough to be on the Sunshine Coast, well, you don't have to miss out. There's a virtual take-on-board event coming up featuring the fabulous Morgana Ryan and we'll talk all things strategy. Morgana is a fellow of the Australian Institute of Company Directors, Deputy Chair of Info Exchange, Chair of their Strategy Committee and author of two books. So she knows a thing or two about this stuff and you'll get to meet others from the take-on-board community. However, There is literally only about five tickets left. So please, if you want to come along, book soon. And early bird tickets close on the 7th of May, although they might not last that long. So hope to see you there. Okay, enough from me. On with the show. Hello and welcome to the Take On Board podcast, where we talk all things boards and governance. I'm your host, Halia Svensson. Being on a board can be interesting, valuable and exciting, yet it can also be really lonely, challenging and hard. So here at Take On Board, we'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you build your governance wisdom. We'll shine a light on how to navigate your way onto your first board or to build your board portfolio. We'll also help you to work through those challenges that keep you awake at night. Each week, I'll talk to women who have been there, done that, and together we'll discover what we need to take on board to be your best in the boardroom. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'm speaking to Denise North about two things, about the WAB SX program and also getting some of her reflections about the current shift into society's expectations of business. First, let me tell you about Denise. Denise is the chair of the advisory board for Catherine Henry Lawyers, chair of the Audit and Risk Committee for the Australian Society of Orthodontists, and chair of INSEAD, Alumni Association Australia and New Zealand, and also chair of Streetwise Communications Limited. She's previously been on the external advisory committee of Sydney University Department of Government, commissioner and chair of audit and risk at the Australian Fisheries Management Authority, and also Chair of the Council for International House, part of Sydney University, and Deputy Chair of Armadale Development Corporation. Denise has an MBA, a Bachelor of Economics, and an International Governance Certificate from INSEAD. She is an Honorary Fellow of the University of Sydney, and her executive career has spanned listed professional services, government, and community sectors. Denise has started business, grown them, changed them, and sometimes ended them. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast, Denise. 
Thanks, Helia. It's lovely to be with you. So, Denise, before we talk about expectations of business and the WabSX program, as always, I would love to dig a little bit deeper about you. Can you tell me a story about young Denise that tells us a bit about how you got to where you are today? Sure. This is an interesting one that someone asked me a similar question a little while ago, and I started to think about where my journey to boards started. And I recalled uh, a primary school group of friends, and you had to have a club when you're in certain ages at primary school. And, and we had a club and we used to meet in somebody's backyard, not too far from school. And it suddenly remembered that this club that I was a member of, uh, we had a written constitution and a set of rules. <laughs> And that was me. In primary school, how fantastic. <laughs> what, um, what was the club? I, I, don't, I have no idea <laughs> anymore. Oh, come on, you wrote the constitution. No. <laughs> it's just exactly. It was just about being being our little group of friends that did things on, on weekends. And I thought that's a bit weird, actually. Mm. But it's about, I suppose, being instinctively interested in organising things well. Mm, interesting. I love that. So, you know, the first constitution and rules of the, the club, probably board meetings in somebody's cubby house here, there, everywhere. So, yeah. <laughs> and I also noticed that not only did you form this club in the constitution, which was probably your first experience of governance, but your first board was also school council, which was also one of my first boards. Can you tell us a bit about that experience as well? Yes, it was an interesting one. And, and it's only when, when you look back, you think that it might be strange. It seemed perfectly natural thing to do. In fact, the school wasn't a very old school. I joined in year seven and in my year seven, we had our first year 12. So it was a it was a relatively new school at the time and mm. it, it wasn't very large. And when I got to year 11, the school decided that it would institute a, a student council and called for people who were interested. And I put my hand up and and there I was. <laughs> that was just, again, it seemed like a natural thing to do, to sit around with people and have a conversation around where you were headed and how you would get there. I can tell, Denise, that you're a joiner, as my friend would say. She calls me a joiner. It's like, oh, whenever there's something, you're a joiner. You'll just put your hand up and join it. And it sounds to me like you might be a joiner as well. This is true. I used to call it volunteer's disease, which was a bit of a habit that if you saw something that needed doing and it looked as if there was a gap that one felt compelled to step into the gap. Yes. And it's still the case, although I, I have to say that I have consciously curbed that enthusiasm a little. And that's yeah. for a couple of reasons. One is how much can you do properly? But the mm -hmm. second thing is I'm spontaneous and impetuous by nature. And so I think my perception of a gap might actually have been, there could have been two or three other people prepared to step in, but there wasn't time. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes leaving, you know, letting the silence hang means that somebody else will step up rather than you having to. I love that. Spontaneous and tempestuous. Also <laughs> fabulous uh, characteristics to have, I think. All right. Well, look, let's mm. get into our conversation for today. There's two things that I would love to talk about. Firstly, I know you were a participant in the WabSX program, and yep. then we'll talk a bit more about society's expectations of business. But firstly, let's start with the WabSX program. And what is it and what prompted you to do it? 
to do it. Right. So look, it's a program that Women on Boards um, in Australia runs and they run, it's been running for a number of years now and they run a number of syndicates. There were 13 in our syndicate, which I think is the usual kind of number. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a chair and there's uh, some structure and organisation around the program. And it's a program which um, has as its objective helping participants to find seats on ASX listed boards. Mm-hmm. So the reason that I decided to do it, and it's an interesting one because here I am talking to you today about boards and things, and I have had fairly extensive experience on boards, but in the commercial realm, apart from a current advisory board that I'm doing, in the commercial realm, the boards that I've been on have been boards of businesses that I've owned. So making that transition from public sector boards to commercial boards and certainly in the in the listed space has been an interesting challenge and I was very conscious of the fact that some of the roles that I have at the moment um, are coming to an end over the next um, year or two so looking forward so I thought um, let's give that a go. Okay and how do they even do the intake for the program? How what's the process for that? There's an application process. So the program's featured on the Women on Boards website and it'll oh. say things and you, you get in touch and have some chats with people about why you're interested. They are selective in terms of looking for people who they feel are ready for, for the step yeah. um, and then putting together groups of people and um, making sure that they have the right kind of person to chair each of the syndicates. So the, the chair is an experienced ASX director. Yes. You know, it's not a startup program. It's not your start out, find your first board program by the sounds of things. No. Because it's for people who have got some governance experience and to leverage that into listed organisations. Yeah, that's its objective, yes. That's right. Okay. Oh, so many questions about that. So you've got a chair who chairs it for you. There's 13 of you in the group. What happens? How does the group work? We meet, meet on a monthly basis. And the meetings are a combination of exchanging ideas, but mostly most of the meetings we've had a very broad range of guest speakers and presenters who, again, have had some extraordinarily experienced, wise and learned people coming along and also a series of introductions to people in the search area and other service providers. And so it's a monthly for, what, a year? Our syndicate ran from, I think, we started in... Yeah, it's 12 months. We November, I think, oh, well, maybe a bit earlier than that, and then ran to, we graduated in August, except we were, our syndicate went across the, the COVID commencement. Ah. Um, so we've actually uh, had a, a graduation in person in March this year. <laughs> Ooh, that's exciting, in person. Whoa. It was exciting to be able to get together again physically, yeah. So for your cohort, your gang of 13, that auspicious number, this came about because I spoke to Jane Crombie, who's also been on the podcast, who I understand is part of your group. So I imagine you're a... That's correct. We were in the same group. Yeah. And so tell me about the, um, you know, just how the group comes together and what the dynamic is like there. It's interesting. It's the usual kind of thing when you first meet. Interestingly, I'd, I previously knew one and a number of the groups knew each other and then you discover connections as well. Yes. Um, one other participant. So um, we also combination of what was prompted and what we did on our own was to decide to get together for coffee and or lunch and before and after the sessions in the formal sense there were normally some drinks afterwards this was in pre-covid times and the other thing that's happened that's been really powerful with our group and I don't know if this is a comment about the group or a comment about being in the covid space but we meet twice a month via zoom 
um, twice a month. Well, those who are available, it's not yeah, a not fantastic. A, and we've continued to invite interesting people to come and talk to the group. Oh, which is really good. On the program side, before we move off onto the other topic, but on the program side, what should I have asked you that I haven't yet? Ah, uh, that's a good question. All of these programs have a lot to do with obviously who's chairing. I've, I've, I've encountered a number of people from some other programs and everybody has agreed that the chairs have been extremely good. Yep. And then the way the groups work together. The comment that I'd make, I think that is possibly the most interesting is, and I listened to one of your recent podcasts from the woman who was speaking about the Ownership Matters report. Oh, yes. About directorship about how everyone knows everyone it's a small pond and they all hang out together yep and it was interesting because we did meet some really interesting people and there were some very interesting things but we did hear quite a number of times people telling their story of their journey to ASX boards which was a version of I was very lucky when I was young someone tapped me on the shoulder Mm -hmm. and that's great (laughs) but as a template for <laughs> for others to follow, <laughs> given that it's not something one controls. So that message of the closeness of the, the group that is there, and it's a reality which I think everybody's very aware of and part of the reason why the program even exists. It's not dispelled. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, because... Like, great, you got tapped on the shoulder. I haven't been, so what does that mean for me? In fact, when did your group finish, formally Um, finish? August. August. Of the 13, have any of them joined an ASX board yet? I don't think yet, but there's some some good leads and some good conversations. And that would be a very short time. I think the aspiration for the program is is within a couple of years after the year. Yeah, I imagine, yeah. If you'd said yes to that, I would have been a little surprised, I think, and would probably have been from a connection that had started prior to the program, probably. Could well be. And the thing, too, is there's no program of that kind, mm. I don't think, that can guarantee exactly. um, that kind of outcome. Yeah, it just starts to build some of the techniques, I guess, or the tools, having the tools in your toolkit. Certainly focuses the mind very much on those elements of the process that you can influence. Yeah. Mm, Excellent. All right. Well, thank you for giving us that overview. And I will make sure I also put a link in the show notes to that episode with Jessica Wallace from Ownership Matters about that, the insights that their organisation got on the report of connections I guess around ASX boards there was some really interesting stuff in there I thought on to our second topic you wanted to have a chat about there being a bit of a shift in society's expectations of business tell me what is the shift that you are discerning there what what have you observed Well, it's interesting what I observed, and I've been watching it for a few years now. So one of the things that I do in my portfolio of activities is deliver some programs for the Institute of Company Directors. So get to speak to rooms full of people about governance issues and about board composition and and some of those questions. And I think one of my first noticing of a changing conversation was a few years a few years ago, and I've told this story to a few people, but I was at a lunchtime seminar organised by an organisation that supports superannuation funds, and the then shadow finance minister, Chris Bowen, was addressing the group, and he was talking about superannuation funds, and he said something along the lines of, 
and I want to talk about the obligations that superannuation funds have. And then he sort of, you know, pause, comma, beyond the obligations that every business has to society. And he just went on with the rest of his sentence and nobody in the room appeared to blink. And I thought, well, that's an interesting <laughs> comment to pass as normal. And it didn't strike me a few years ago as a comment that most people would, would think was normal. Um, because the classic approach to the duties of directors is to act in the interests of the company and that that is how they discharge their duty and, and that is their primary responsibility. And most people will interpret the interests of the company or certainly historically we've interpreted the interests of the company as the interests of shareholders. Mm. Um, a few other things that were starting to change, I was noticing, observing the Royal Commission into Banking and Finance. Yes. And the expectations that clearly had not been met mm -hmm. <laughs> by some institutions and the way that everybody was talking about that and a common acceptance. Another thing you mentioned, um, INSEAD, where I studied and where I'm still connected, and that's a leading international business school where the dean's motto, tagline, whatever, for his deanship is business as a force for good. And the other thing, just I think a couple of years ago, you look at the Institute of Company Directors, what's its vision? And its vision is creating better societies through good governance. And you just think, well, that's kind of interesting. Now, the first time I started to talk about these things in, in some of the groups, the programs, um, you can take a pretty cynical view of each of those different things. You can uh -huh. say, well, you know, Chris Bowen, that was an ideological statement from a socialist. And other people, it's a bit of spin. But I actually think it's not. And I know that you were at the Governance Summit a couple of weeks ago um, in the beginning of March in Sydney. Uh -huh. And again, struck me that there's not even, there doesn't even seem to be a conversation anymore about the proposition that business has obligations to society. If any business fails to meet those obligations, they'll cease to exist. Mm. I share your view. I wasn't at the Chris Bowen one, but certainly the outcomes of the, particularly the Financial Services Royal yep. Commission and other commentary around these things does seem to point to a changing expectation. And I was... I think I said this on the podcast when I did a summary of the Australian Governance Summit. One of the speakers at the Governance Summit, Rebecca, someone, I can't remember her surname, the woman from Harvard, who Absolutely. spoke around, yep. around business and was very, well, shall we say firm about her view was that we absolutely need capitalism, we absolutely need business, but it's not just about making money, it's about doing good for the world. So as a director, how do you think those changing expectations impact in the boardroom? What should board directors be thinking about with those changing expectations? I think that it means, and I think this is becoming much more accepted, is that directors need to think much more broadly about their role and their function and how they act in the best interests of the company, which needs to be in a way that makes sure that the company is sustainable in the long term against a number of criteria and of course the most obvious that everybody goes to is financial sustainability and of course that's critical but even just the conversation around the fact that risk committees are looking at you having a focus on finding people who can help them with non-financial risk these shouldn't be radical ideas <laughs> but it's just interesting the way that that broader perspective on how you the role of an organisation and the sorts of decisions. Someone at a program recently actually asked me a question 
about how do you see that difference in things manifesting? And we were talking about COVID and the effect that it's had on supply chains mm. and how many organisations and, and businesses and the, and the country generally are thinking around perhaps we need to be self-sufficient in some different areas. And I told a story of, of an Australian company that's very well known in the furniture space who manufactures every part of their product in Australia and has done for a large amount of time and it was really interesting because I was having a conversation with someone who knows someone and said you know well that's really surprising you know the economists would tell us it's not possible to do that how to organize make a profit and the the, the response was it's a family business well they make quite a lot of profit and yes they would probably make more if they mm. shipped some of that core component manufacturing offshore yeah. but they don't want to it's not just a question of how much profit you make, but the way that they behaved and, and managed the business and deal with their people and everything like that comes through as mm. a very strong position. Yeah, it's that financial lens. It doesn't always have to be what is going to make me the most money. It's more what is going to build me the best business. Yes. I liked the um, professor that you mentioned. Um, I loved her analogy when she spoke about the change in the capitalist approach and she said that, the good analogy was about needing to breathe. And she said, for a person, we need to breathe, but breathing is not our purpose. And for a company, again, of course, you need to make money, but making money doesn't need to be your purpose. Absolutely. I like I to I'm only a sole trader. I'm not even a company. But I do often think if I sat down with a, you know, business coach or advisor or whatever, they would probably look at the business that I run and go, hell yeah you know, you need to find your niche, you need to really focus. And I'm like, but I'm having fun. I love doing all these different things. And yes, I could be more efficient. But I actually just want to do what I love. And if that is having a bit of a span of things, then, and that's what makes me happy, then that's okay. <laughs> so I guess it's that at a much broader level for organisations as well. And it sounds like the family business you're referring to had a bit of that. We just want yeah. to do it this way, because it's the right thing to do. It's the right way to do it. Mm. And it's interesting, I think, in terms of boards generally, I mean, you mentioned before that it's that broader perspective. And I think, I mean, you know, listeners to this podcast will know I'm always talking about diverse boards and how diversity is a powerful thing. And I think having that broader perspective in the boardroom, so you don't just have a board of just lawyers, not just accountants, not just, you know, the former CEO or a CEO from a different one, but you've got people who represent the customer perspective, who might represent even some of the staff perspective. The broadest perspective you have in the book boardroom, the more likely you are to have the sort of business that might take into account, unsurprisingly, a broader perspective of views yep. and factors. Indeed. Oh, I knew this would happen. The time always goes way too quickly. So we've covered off on at least, well, we've covered off on two topics, but a whole bunch of subtopics within each of those. What are the key points you want people to take away from the conversation that we've had today? I think having the privilege of sitting on a board and helping to set the direction and manage the governance of an organisation is just a fantastic thing to do. I also often say to people that if you don't have an appetite for being held accountable for the actions of others, then possibly it's not for you. <laughs> yes. That has to be the essence. And, and it's very interesting to just 
look at Canberra right at the moment. Oh. Um, that has to be the essence of the notion of governance, I think, is, is being prepared to, to put things in place so that you're confident that you can be held accountable for the actions of the people in the organisation, and that's, that's your job. So I think that's really important. I think clearly the way we go about businesses, judging the success of a business and the role of a business is definitely changing. We're at a very interesting point, I think, in history in that regard, and there'll be more changes disappointingly some things that are not changing <laughs> uh, seem to be we seem to be unable to unstick ourselves from yeah. the processes of how we go about deciding who should sit around those tables and yeah. some things are changing a little bit but it's a bit like again the analogy with the other conversations that are going on at the moment perhaps they need to change a little faster. So is there a resource you would like to share with the Take On Board community? Uh, yes, I think um, it's a good idea. Put the link to the Women on Board's WellBestX program. Um, oh, absolutely. Yep. I'll pop that in the show notes. And I think um, also the previous podcast that you did with Jessica is, is very interesting. In fact, I'll pop a link to that in the show notes. And there is, she mentioned a um, tool kind of like LinkedIn for directors, yes. basically. And folks, if you're interested in that, that's in the show notes to her episode. You need to go to the article that she links and then that will take you to the tool. So that will be there as well. The other one that I think is a really good idea to link to is Rebecca Henderson's book that we talked about, Reimagining Capitalism. I think that's oh, a yes. fantastic read. Yes. I have, I, have you read the I haven't read her book yet. yet. Have you, Just no, you haven't either? We might need to have a little take on board um, book club, I think, about that one because she was certainly a very engaging and enthusiastic speaker. So I might even I might even try and get her on the pod as well. I better listen to her book first. I'll do that and then see if I can get in touch with her. Oh, fabulous. Thank you so much. I'm so glad we got to rerun into each other at the Australian Governance Summit just a couple Absolutely. of weeks ago. It was fantastic. And thank you for giving your time today to be on the Take On Board podcast. It's been just fabulous to have this conversation with you. So thank you. Absolutely delighted. Thank you. Hi there, it's Helia. That's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together. So it's great to be able to share these conversations that I'm having with these amazing group of women with you. Now, can I ask a favour? Could you share this podcast with someone you know? Perhaps you can share it with some of your board colleagues or someone else that you know that's interested in exploring all things boards and governance. With your help, we can grow the Take On Board community. Last but not least, if you want to continue the conversation, you can also join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group where there's lots of great discussions, tips, tricks and resources being shared. I would love it if you can join in the conversation there. You can find it by searching Take On Board in Facebook. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for another fabulous conversation. Bye.